I'm here talking to Kendall. I'm here talking to Annie. And today we're talking about the Harrison family. Content warning is for haunted houses. Uh, Come join us on Patreon. There's a general support tier as well as a tier that gets you three bonus episodes a month. You can follow us on Instagram at tellnoonepodcast or send us an email at tellnoonepod at gmail.com. Sources are in the show notes. Everything's alleged, but this is definitely tell no one. Enjoy. We're in Massisqua, Canada. We've got Bill and Bridget Harrison. They're in their 60s. They've lived here for 40 years. They've got a large home. They love to entertain and host. They met in their 20s when Bridget was a stage actress. Wow. (laughs) And Bill worked in the costume department. Wow. (laughs) They married in 1969. Bill is black and Bridget is white. So they faced some adversity for their relationship. Mm. Eventually Bridget becomes a teacher and then gets like pretty high up in like administration Mm -hmm. and ends up working with the minister of education. Bill is in sales. (laughs) Um, In 1973, they adopt a six month old boy named Caleb. He is black. April 16th, 2009. Bridget comes home at 9 p.m. after a long day of work. All the lights are off and she doesn't see or hear Bill at all. The TV is on in the living room. Dark room. No lights on. TV's playing to TV no blaring. one. TV's playing to no one. Half eaten food in front of the TV. Mm. She notices that the door to the bathroom at the side of the staircase. So like their Harry Potter bathroom mm-hmm. is closed. She tries to open it, but it's locked from the inside. She picks the lock um, and she finds Bill wedged between the toilet and the door. Like we're in a tiny bathroom. We're in a tiny bathroom and he's wedged. We're in an airplane bathroom. We've got faint bruising on his forehead, two red marks around his throat. But they're like, was this caused by like the chain that he was always wearing? Like just being pushed against him Mm. and the coroner deems the death to be natural. There is an autopsy and they find no trauma to his brain or skull. So the examiner thinks the bruise on his head could be from striking his head while falling, Mm -hmm. like on the sink or something. His sternum was broken. And also they think like, did he strike it on the toilet or something to crack it? Okay, case closed. (laughs) Bridget has some concerns, though. Why was the door locked from the inside if he was home alone? And also, why were all the lights off if he's up and moving around? Yeah. So Caleb is 40 um, now, and he moves in with his mom during this time. Um, he was recently released from prison and has two young children, but they start butting heads pretty soon after he moves in. They had a bit of trouble during Caleb's childhood. He would act out and get into conflicts with his teachers. And she's like, hey, I'm a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so he and Bridget would clash the most with Bill acting as mediator. And now we don't have Bill. And now we don't have Bill. So yeah, so Caleb grows kind of out of his rebellious streak. He starts working right out of high school. He's a good employee. And in 2000, he meets Melissa Merritt. Um, She was engaged when they met, but broke it off so she could be with Caleb. Cool. This is also a mixed race couple. She's white. They get married less than a year after meeting. And they have a son and daughter soon after and move into a house about 30 minutes away from Bill and Bridget. And Bill and Bridget are like active grandparents. 
I, th- I think we're having a great family life. We're good. Bridget loves being a grandma. I think she changes her email address to Nana Harrison oh. <laughs> at AOL or something. <laughs> but shortly after, Caleb and Melissa's marriage starts to fall apart. Caleb uh, drinks a lot. Money's tight. We've got stresses. Bills on the kitchen table. Yeah. June 2005, Melissa calls the police and says Caleb put her in a headlock and hit her repeatedly. And he's arrested for domestic violence. Mm -hmm. Caleb moves back in with his parents and Melissa refuses to let him see their children. Mm -hmm. A month later, Caleb goes to a party and he can't drink alcohol because of his sentence for the DV. So he agrees to be a designated driver for a few friends. But once he gets to the party, he does drink. And at 3 a.m., he wants to drive home. And the people he drove there are like, I'm not getting in the car with you. So they don't. And he leaves alone. And while he's driving home, he veers into the other lane and collides head on with a taxi. The taxi driver dies from his injuries and one other passenger is scalped, but they he survives. <laughs> his blood alcohol content was 0.2. And he was charged with impaired driving, causing death, and impaired driving, causing bodily harm. He's released on bail and lives with his parents while awaiting trial. Um, And he has visitation with his children twice a week during this time. Shortly after the incident, Melissa reports that Caleb broke into her home and physically assaulted her. She also reports that he's physically abusing the children when they visit him. So someone starts a Facebook petition calling for signatures in support of Caleb getting a minimum of five years in prison for his drunk driving. In January 2009, it's his court date for this. Um, He has a bunch of like defense witnesses that are like, he is reformed. He is remorseful. Um, So he's sentenced to 18 months in jail with two years probation. And he's in prison for a month when Bill dies. Oh, yeah. In jail at the time of the death? Yeah. Okay, then I don't know what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in June 2009, he's released after serving three months. I mean, if you were the family of Mm. the driver. Taxi driver? Okay. Fuck? Okay. It's Canada's issue. April 21st, 2010, he's still living with his mom. Mm -hmm. Caleb's eight-year-old son comes home from school. The door's unlocked. And he walks in to see his grandmother, Bridget, laying at the bottom of the staircase. EMS comes and pronounces her dead at the scene. Okay, they're dropping all around me. Two dead in the house. She has her shoes on, wallet, and glasses are on the ground next to her. So, like, she was heading out the door. Mm -hmm. Um, The officer concludes there's no foul play. She fell on the stairs. But the coroner notices that she has burst blood vessels in her eyes and face. Bruising on chin and neck, some broken neck bones, but it is deemed undetermined. But she gets a forensic autopsy, which Bill did not get, which is more like they go at it with the mind of a crime. Okay. So they they take more precaution and like this could be used in court. For Bill, it was run of the mill. Like, let's find out what it is, but I don't think anyone, nothing sinister is happening. Okay. So the autopsy. She has... Marks on her face, but they're like, that could be from hitting the railing coming down the stairs. So they say her cause of death was, quote, neck injuries, but the pathologist sees evidence for both a possible fall and a possible strangulation. It's a toss-up. Okay. So Caleb keeps living in his parents' house. He's like, they're dead and gone. Like, I guess this is my house. He gets a new job. 
new girlfriend, maintains his visits with his children. August 22nd, 2013, Caleb goes to coach his daughter's softball team. Melissa's there with her new husband, Chris. After the game, Caleb goes home alone. He watches TV, talks to his girlfriend on the phone, goes to bed. But he doesn't show up to work the next day. Are you joking? (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? The house claims another victim. Lucky number three for the house. They're running out of <laughs> occupants. He doesn't what, show up barely to broken neck? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't show up to work the next day. No answer on his cell phone. That afternoon, a co-worker heads to the house. And when he gets here, the housekeeper's there like, yeah, I haven't seen him all day, but I don't clean upstairs. He doesn't pay me enough for that. So should we go up together? Co-worker and the housekeeper go upstairs, knock on his bedroom door. And they open the door and find him laying in his bed, blankets up to his chin, chinny chin chin, dead. The police are like, robbery? Surely not. And they tucked him in. And they tucked him in and also took nothing. (laughs) But there was clearly a struggle in the bedroom. A shelf had been knocked over. His knuckles were swollen. But he was put back in bed with an eye mask on, too. Oh, God. That's so scary. I find that to be, like, crude. Do you know what I mean? It is, like, oh, he died in his... He's got bloody knuckles. Yeah. So his highway bone is broken. Meaning? The bone in the neck that's, like, you've been strangled. (laughs) (laughs) Right. There's bruising on his neck. And they're, like, clearly he's... This is an obvious one. Okay. Obvious strangulation. Well, I think that one went a little wrong. This one, he he's not an old man or an old lady. So, the police go back to Melissa's claim that he broke in and assaulted her after his accident slash drunk driving thing. I don't know if you call it an accident. Drunk driving. What we call it? Purposeful accident. (laughs) (laughs) So they investigate that a little further and find that Caleb had broken his leg in the accident and had a full length cast. Could not probably not knocking you around. No, could not have done it. Okay. At a court hearing for the domestic violence charge back in the day, Caleb claimed that Melissa was making all these allegations up to damage his reputation. And at least one officer agreed and said in a report, quote, I am 100% convinced she's making these up. Wow. But no one looked into that further. So that just kind of happened. Okay, so we're zipping around a little bit. Mm. October 2005, Melissa meets Christopher Fattore online. They get married a little over a year later. She hadn't been officially divorced from Caleb yet, so she is a bigamist. (laughs) I don't know how she squares that with town hall (laughs) or her taxes, but that is her problem. Oh, my God. I can't even get into it. Who am I? How many dependents do I have? She has plenty because they have four children together. Okay. Plus her two with Caleb. She wants all six children to live with her full time to cash the checks from the government so she makes five different claims to cps about her children being abused by the harrisons bill and bill and bridget caleb they're a house of child abusers and i need i need full custody oh money for that yeah i I need need a check i need them to pay me child support and i also need to have them in my full custody so i get the most like welfare benefits for them okay Bridget was like, I know what's going on. So she kept a record of interactions of every interaction she had with Melissa. 
Um, she notes a time where Chris told her she'll burn in hell for the lies she's told, and you'll pay for this, you fucking bastard. Like, they'll come and pick up the kids and scream at them. Okay. And she's writing it in her little journal. Good for her. So it's so contentious that the judge rules that Caleb and Melissa communicate through writing only. Like, this is so bad. Mm. So Chris and Melissa, of course, go to Caleb's drunk driving trial and stick out their tongues at the family, like taunt them in weird ways. At um, Bill and Bridget? Yeah. They're, she's like, fuck you guys. Why do you fucking care, dude? I don't know. So once he's sentenced to the 18 months, the judge gives Melissa joint custody shared with Bill and Bridget. Mm. And she loses it. She's not happy with this. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're back to the day after Bill's death. The day after Bill's death, Bridget goes to the children's school to check on them. Like, your grandpa died yesterday. Like, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Come to say hi. They weren't there. Come to find out that Chris had signed them out 1 p.m. the day before, meaning the day of Bill's death. The son told his teacher that he was going on a trip with his family. I don't know where. It's a surprise. And I know that it will take over a day of driving, though. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Bridget goes to Chris and Melissa's place and is like, open up. Yeah. Do you where have- are the children? The- where are the children that I share custody of? Mm. No one answers. Door locked. She reports this to the police who check with Chris's boss. He tells them that Chris had called in sick the day before, the day of the death, and hasn't been back. Are you kidding So police break into the apartment. They're not there. Like, it's pretty much cleared out. Okay. And Bridget gets an email from Melissa saying that she fled with her family because she was getting threatening letters. So we have Bill's funeral. Grandchildren still missing. The next day, Bridget is given sole custody of the children because it's clear that Melissa has abducted them. Fled with them. Yeah. Two months later, Caleb is released. Still searching for the children. November 2009, the children and Melissa and Chris have been missing for seven months. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So eventually the police get approval to look at her bank records. What? How did we not have that? For seven fucking months? I have no idea. And they very immediately see a transaction in Nova Scotia and an arrest warrant is issued. They find them pretty immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. Caleb is granted shared custody with his mother. So now Melissa went from having shared custody with Bridget and Bill to has nothing because you abducted them. you should them. be in jail. You should also be in jail and you get nothing. Sent, you're sent away. <laughs> I don't want to hear from you again. And now Caleb splits custody with his mother. The better people. The better people who didn't run off to Nova Scotia. So Melissa pleads guilty and is sent for it. Melissa pleads guilty and is set for a sentencing hearing. Bridget prepares a victim impact statement, how she's like, um, not knowing where my grandchildren were for seven months was distressing to me. The fact that they disappeared the day after my husband died as well was distressing to me. Flag that. Do you want to hear about it? (laughs) But the day before the hearing, Bridget is found dead at the bottom of the stairs. Okay. The timeline of everything. You couldn't be fucking dumber. So Melissa gets 18 months probation. For abducting her children for seven months. I don't know how to move on from that. that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If I were Caleb, 
Caleb's mad, but he's also not that... He's, like, kind of understanding, in a way. He's not vindictive about this. Uh, okay. He's on to them, though. He's like, they're killing my parents. And I am mad about that. <laughs> They've killed my parents. Personally, he says, personally, I would ask Melissa and Chris where they were when my mom died. Melissa said she was home babysitting at the time, and Chris was running errands and doing yard work. He was he was seen on some surveillance cameras in town, like buying things. But there were times during the day that he was not accounted for. Um, so Caleb gets sole custody and then, as we know, goes on to be murdered. Um, so mid-2013, he agrees to a temporary visitation schedule with Melissa. He doesn't have to do this, but he does. She gets every other weekend um, with the children. And they, Melissa and Chris had moved to a town 350 kilometers away, but Caleb still tries to make this arrangement work. Hmm. August 2013, the agreement is scheduled to end. Melissa wants shared custody, and he's like, fuck no. Like, no way in hell you murdered my parents, for sure. Yeah. You can visit, but you're not getting custody. So the day before their final custody hearing, Caleb is murdered. That's nuts. But, like, um, if I were him... If everybody I know died the day before trial and my <laughs> trial were coming up, <laughs> I would. I would be. I don't know what I would do. I'd sit be up in a chair, a rocking chair, with my shotgun and with my, my shotgun <laughs> and my flashlight. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Very. What was that? <laughs> Who goes there? <laughs> so now that everyone is dead, <laughs> Melissa finally gets what she wants: sole custody of her children. Because there's no one else who knows them. Okay. She shows up to Caleb's wake and his family like bars her at the door. It's like, are you crazy, lady? I mean, you're lucky I don't run you over. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> I could try. <laughs> you're lucky I don't run you over. Um, so the police talk to Melissa and Chris and they're like, what the hell? Everybody. What the hell happened the day Caleb died? And they're like, the last time we saw him was at the softball game that he coached for his daughter. Then we went to get food at a shopping mall. Food court? A shopping mall food court. Yeah. You know, sometimes you do need, you do need that. Fuji Chen. Yeah. <laughs> then we went home to bed. So they go to bed, um, wake up at 6 a.m. the next day. Um, and she's like, Chris could not have woken up in the middle of the night without waking me up. Um, I don't think he did. I think you, you I, woke him up and went, go do it. It's now. <laughs> So, but neither of them mentioned in their their thing of the evening, their plan of the evening, that none of them mentioned going to Walmart, but we know that they did, or at least no Chris did. So an undercover officer posed as a trash collector to collect Chris and Wilson's trash, and they find a pair of size 12 sneakers wrapped in a plastic bag. They're been worn, but they're very, very new. Do you feel like Canada, they do a lot of like, pink panther yes well this policing. is the, the fucking i'm um, i'm gonna rent an apartment below you for a year and hopes you confide in me Duh. tina no tina fontaine it is tina fontaine tina fontaine where they did the whole elaborate like literally a million dollar undercover operation that bore no fruit didn't work didn't help solve the case now we've got a mtv punked level pretending to be a garbage collector <laughs> turning to the camera where do they order their like undercover uniforms from their gear their yeah. gear they love a non-violent ruse yeah 
Mm. I mean, okay. So they, yeah, they find they find a pair of size twelve sneakers in a plastic bag. They've been worn, but they're very obviously new, and they are sold only at Walmart's. So the police obtain records from the closest Walmart to Bill to Melissa and Chris. And only one pair of these shoes has been sold there in the past two months. And it was hours before Caleb was murdered. All right. Check the tread. (laughs) Chris was also captured on CCTV inside of the Walmart, wandering around holding the shoes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Dead to right. (laughs) So they continue to surveil Chris and they collect a used, like, renew reusable coffee cup that he threw on the ground litter bug on top of it (laughs) littering they get dna from it to compare to skin scrapings that were underneath caleb's fingernails Mm. idiot matches yeah also they find latex gloves in melissa and chris's trash that contain both chris and caleb's dna he threw it away in your home trash can if you drove it to, like, a Burger King, it would have been gone by now. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, still, this is not enough, I'm not sure. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Why not? So, they have to s- bug their home. Well, yeah, Canada, <laughs> no. They're having fun over there. <laughs> There's no reason you have to no, do this. They're bugging. They're pretending. They're they're planting you know people. They are? They're actors yeah they want to act they want to perform yeah they have too much funding i would argue (laughs) (laughs) you burning money like and again like with the tina fontaine like why don't you hand a little bit of that like your prop budget (laughs) to like the native people who have like no fucking money for law and order how about we reduce the costume budget (laughs) for the police department (laughs) so they bug their home for five months until they eventually hear melissa telling chris quote you have to realize that the underlying fact of the matter is thespian (laughs) that you killed caleb and he replies i know okay and that'll do it no (laughs) (laughs) okay so they get a search warrant on their trailer oh we live in a trailer with six kids it worked out really well for you. Right. You killed three people. And like these kids are going to grow up in like five years and then you're not going to have the gravy train. Well, bigger than that, they're going to get too big for the trailer. <laughs> they're going to outgrow the trailer. Once again, like Alice in Wonderland, arm through the house. you <laughs> 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 wearing that trailer like, like shorts. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, not wearing the trailer like shorts. Ah! Oh my god! Okay, go on. I don't think they like long-term plan. You know, it's more like who can I kill today? Can we fit in trailer today? Months leading up to Bridget's death, they find search like Google searches. Quote, what if a grandparent has custody and dies? How long does it take to die from choking? Before Caleb's death, they had searched easy ways to kill and get away with it. Okay, so yeah, now Melissa and Chris are arrested for the murders of Caleb and Bridget. After hours of interrogation, Chris eventually admits to hating the Harrison family. He says that they treated the children horribly and he couldn't watch Melissa suffer over it anymore. 
So they said, what did you do? And he says, I killed Bridget and Caleb. No bill? No bill. We'll see. He says he knocked on Bridget's door, pretended to have like something for the children. She refused him entry, but he forces his way in, attacks and strangles her. I mean... He's a huge guy. The female nightmare. Yeah. Pushing their way into your door. Easy. The female nightmare. Easily. He did it easily. Mm. He says, for Caleb, he snuck in in the middle of the night. There was a big struggle. um, And... Oh, yeah. That would have had to be another man. Yes. Right? Right. Yeah. And he said Caleb tried to bribe him with money to get him to go away. Well, I mean, if you know, I think you're doing, you're trying to kill me for money. money, I, I too would be like, I'll give you anything you want. Oh, it's so... But Chris makes pains to say that Melissa had no idea. So Chris is charged with two counts of first degree murder, one for Bridget, one for Caleb. But Melissa was also charged. Um, but for Bill, Chris denied having anything to do with that. But he's still charged with his murder. Chris and Melissa plead not guilty. They have a joint trial in November 2017. Uh, so Chris recants his confession. Um, but he's like, I'm willing to plead guilty to manslaughter for Caleb because, you know, the kind of dead to rights on that one. Um, I only intended to roughen him up. I did not want to kill him. Well, you came to my home in the middle of the night and, and my, killed and, him and strangled me to death. Strangled me. Put me back in bed. So the, the crown uh, rejects his plea. So in January 2018, Christopher and Melissa are both found guilty for the murder of Caleb Harrison. Chris was also found guilty of murdering Bridget Harrison. The jury could not come to a verdict on the first degree murder charge Melissa faced in the death of Bridget Harrison. So that was declared a mistrial. In the death of Bill Harrison, Chris, who alone faced a second degree murder charge, was found not guilty due to insufficient evidence. The children were sent to live with Melissa's family because there's no other Harrison family left. Oh, my God. And both Melissa and Chris received life sentences with no chance of parole for 25 years. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Feel free to absorb that information. Feel free to share it. But as for where you heard it, tell no one. Oh, 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 oh